people are saying, would you help me? Don't we? We live in, and not just here in the South End, but really the, the state of America, we're in a place where people, I don't care if you're living in the richest neighborhood in, in the Toledo area, there are people that are saying, help me. You know, coming off, off the holidays and looking at those bills that we put off, people are saying, help me. Come on. Come on. Am I the only one? There, there's is a huge need that people have that, where they feel like they need help. And sometimes people don't verbalize that. Sometimes it's the ones who need it the most are the ones who are quiet about it. They're the ones that hold it all in. And maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's they're in depression and they're saying, would someone just notice me? Would someone just help me? Maybe they smile and they go to work every day, but they're emotionally just depressed and bound with anxiety and with fear. And they're saying, somebody help me. And so we believe to give hope, we need to give help. And so and the, one of the foundational scriptures from this that God really birthed in our spirit is in Acts, Acts chapter 3, 1 and 10. And I've read this before many times. It's uh, Peter and John at the gate, beautiful. But I'm going to read it in a different version today. I'm going to read it in the message just to bring some fresh life to you. It says, one day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John were on their way into the temple for a prayer meeting. At the same time, there was a man crippled from birth being carried up. Every day he was set down at the temple gate, the one called, named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. Peter, with, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye and said, look here. He looked up, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, I don't have a nickel to my name, but what I do have, I give to you. Come on, y'all. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He grabbed him right by the hand and pulled him up. In an instant, his feet and ankles became firm. He jumped to his feet and he walked. The man went into the temple with them, walking back and forth, dancing and praising God. Everybody there saw him walking around and praising God. They recognized him as the one who sat at the temple's gate, beautiful, and they rubbed their eyes, astonished. Scarcely believing what they were seeing. Friends, this man was asking for help. But Peter and John gave him something more than help. They gave him hope. And friends, we have to realize that help is the felt need that people have. Where they need help. They need help with, with learning how to raise their children. They need help knowing how do I have a godly marriage. They need help knowing how, can I, how do I manage my money. They need help like what am I supposed to do with my life. They need, people need help. And especially in, in a generation of people who are being raised without a father and, and now very often without a mother in the home teaching them these things. We have a generation of, of orphans, if you will. They're saying, I need help. Would somebody show me how to live the abundant life I hear people talk about in the Bible? The people who come to Vision Kitchen, you know, uh, oftentimes they need help, not just with a meal. They need hope. It's greater than help. And that's what Peter and John gave them. They looked past the felt need and they looked to the real need. And that's something that we have to do. It's so easy in this kind of ministry to to get caught up in just the felt need. Oh, man, we got to help this. You know, we joke around and say Pastor Renee and, and Pastor Dawn at Christmas time are like Santa's little elves. I mean, they're just like running around trying to help this family and trying to help this family. And sometimes it, as ministers of the gospel, which just means servants of the gospel, it's easy to get caught up in the help, and we forget that the help is just a felt need of the real need. The real need is hope. People need 
hope. People need hope. And the hope that we have is in Jesus Christ, friends. He is the hope of glory. He is the hope of the world. And friends, we have that inside of us. And so when we see people like the man, the beggar man at the gate, beautiful, who are saying, give me a hand, give me a hand. We need to remember the only hand that we have. I don't have a nickel to my name, <laughs> right? That's what Peter said. I don't have a nickel to my name or the NIV and King, King James. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. Friends, we need to give that hope to others. But when we get caught up in just the help, man, it's so easy to become bitter. Like, oh my goodness, it's so easy to become bitter. It's so easy to get burnt out. It's so easy to be tired. It's so easy. The Bible says, even youths grow weary and tired, but he who waits on the Lord will renew his strength. He will mount up on wings like eagles. He will run and not grow tired. He will walk and not grow faint. Come on, friends. But he who hopes in the Lord or he who waits on the Lord, that's an important thing. And so my challenge to you as a church, to all of us, myself included, is, man, we have to remember that though we are called to help others, the help that we give is deeper than just material needs. It's deeper than just a meal. It's deeper than just a a clothing. It's deeper than a Christmas present. It's hope. It's hope that we have in Jesus And so what my challenge is for us this year is to remember that help means hope. Every time, it means hope. Help means hope. When someone's saying, I need help, they're saying, really, I need hope. I need hope. And we have that. We have that hope in Jesus. And we need to give that to others. One of the things I want to encourage to do, Vision Kitchen has been a really blessed ministry. I felt felt that hope this Christmas Day. Um, Pastor Josh and I gathered our children together. We thought there's probably not going to be enough volunteers at Vision Kitchen. I talked to Pastor Renee earlier. I said, listen, man, we're at home. We'll, we'll be done eating our meal by then. We're going to come and help on, on Christmas Day because there's just not going to be enough, you know, volunteers. And we got there. We had as many volunteers as we had people eating. There was about 50 volunteers there that day, right? about 47 volunteers that day. We had as many, pretty much, I mean, it was like one-on-one help, a service to people. But I'm telling you, when I was back there with the volunteers and Emily, one of the leaders on Friday nights, she goes to a different church, but she's a part of a, this body here. And she came and she was, she was just sharing the hope that we have in Jesus and the meaning of Christmas. And I'm telling you, I had tears in my eyes. I thought, this is what it's about. This is what, not only are we giving hope to the people that we're feeding, but we are giving hope to every single person. Do you realize we got people, hundreds of people that come from around this city that come to this place to serve people, to to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're giving them hope because we're helping them be the hands and feet of Jesus. My challenge for us for, for 2016 is we need to step up and be more of a support system. Pastor Earl and his wife, Pastor Renee, have been um, the biggest carriers of Vision Kitchen. And that's our biggest ministry in this church, friends. We serve at least 1,200 meals a, a month. And they've been the biggest carriers of, of this ministry and oftentimes doing it when it's just their family up there serving and, and cleaning up afterwards and uh, organizing and administrating. And we need to surround him. Something that they've just started this year, which I'm super excited about, is they're having some administrative meetings with some, 
some other leaders from other churches and it's starting to get things organized. We already got money collected from this one meeting that they had to get round tables downstairs. So it's not going to be um, just long tables, but uh, like rectangle tables. It's going to be round tables to, to give that more family where people can look at each other and interact and have more community. And um, one of the things I would like to see is I want to see some people that would raise up underneath Pastor Earl that would help preach down there. So that when Pastor Earl has to work over at his job, he's not speeding from Bowling Green to Toledo because he needs to get here to preach the gospel. Or when Pastor Earl is tired, because, friends, I know y'all can't tell, but he's, you know, he's getting a little older, you know. (laughs) I'm walking over here before he tries to get up and, like, prove himself. (laughs) Sometimes they need a family day. Sometimes they need a break. It would be nice for him to have some assistance that can say, man, I'm going to take ownership of this ministry. I'm going to get myself right and live a holy life so that when I preach the gospel, I'm not going to be struck down. <laughs> right? Because you can't just have, you can't just be preaching when you're not, you know, not that we, we all mess up, but you got to be living it, right? You got to be, you got to be, you got to be a watchman. And so we need some people to raise up to help in this ministry. In 2016, I want to see, we have a dream team, thank God now, in, in kids ministry. I mean, she's got an awesome team of people helping her and it's amazing. We need a dream team for Vision Kitchen. That's our biggest help ministry. I also would like to see us raise up a team that the giveaway completely can be out of Pastor Earl and Renee's hands. I want to see a team of people that say, I will, it's once a month, friends. I want to see a team of people that say, I will take ownership of the giveaway. I will do the pickups for it. I will help organize it. I will lay it out. I will preach the gospel. I will carry myself in a way that is worthy of the gospel and with respect and honor to the calling. And I'm going to take ownership of this. I'm going to come up underneath Earl Renee and get trained because we're not going to just, you know, hand it over to someone. They need, there needs to be a time of training. I'm going to submit myself and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. This friends right now, we're sitting in the family room. This, this min- helps ministries, our biggest ministries in the church. And we need to get to a place that we can um, do more than just help, but we can really bring hope. And it starts with supporting Pastor Earl and Renee in that ministry. Amen. All right, he's going to come. Pastor Josh is going to come with the middle. See, this is why it's hard when you got two preachers trying to preach a sermon. Woo! But we're going we're gonna to get there. I had to give her a little signal because she could have she went the next 20 minutes on this. And that's okay. That's all right. Should just let her keep going. Number two, okay, if you've noticed, uh, my wife is, is the uh, acrostic queen, and so we have H-O-P-E, uh, you know, so it all started with acrostics, and that's why she preaches in acrostics. Um, so O is for outreach, and so outreach simply means to reach out. It's very simple. That's what that word means. Just turn it around. It means to reach out. Peter said a few things in Acts chapter 3 that I want to highlight here real quick. First off, when Peter, when he... Uh, met with uh, the the lame beggar at at the beautiful gate. He said something that many people, many followers of Christ, can't really say today. And this is what he said. He said, "Look at us. Look at us." Paul says this. He says, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." Friends, the Lord wants to use us to be conduits. What's a conduit? It's a vessel that things flow through. To be an example of Jesus Christ in a falling world. So first off, in order for us to be used of God, we need to be able to allow people to say, look at me. We need to be living a life that somebody can look as an example. 
That's what he's saying. He told them prophetically, he told the lame baker, look at us. And then what happened when, when the lame baker looked at him, he didn't say, okay, now this is something that I don't have and I'm going to give to you. No, friends, we can't give what we don't have. And this is the hard thing. If you're drowning and you're trying to save someone else, friends, you're both going down. You got to be able to tread water and then be trained to be able to grab someone else up and pull them to a place of safety. But all too often, we get, we, we get this Superman hype syndrome, and we want to jump in and save somebody, and we can barely keep ourselves afloat. And in doing so, we'll drown them, we'll drown, and it's all bad, and then we're, we're asking for another someone to rescue both of us. <laughs> so in order, what, in order for us to do what he's called us to do, we have to give what we have. So he says, so he was asking for something he didn't have, so he didn't say, okay, hold on, let me go take a collection, we'll get you some silver and gold. No, he said, I don't have that, but I'll tell you what I do have, and what I do have, I'm going to give it. And that's all the Lord is asking for us to do is give what he's given us. He's not asking us to give things that we don't have that are out of our reach. He wants to use us with the gifts and the tools and the abilities and the talents he's giving specifically to you that you can give to others. That's what outreach is. Well, if I'm like this, I got to be like this person and I got to preach like them and I got to pray. No. What have you been given? What's in your hand? What are you gifted with? Well, I'm gifted at, 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 I love having people at my house. Guess what? We've got an awesome ministry. Let's use it. Well, I'm gifted at, at decorating. Well, well, let's, we'll come up here and help uh, Francis, Santa's little helper, and decorate our church. We need decorations. Well, my gifting is, you know, I'm gifted at art, whatever that might be. Use the giftings he's given you. Give what you have. What I have, I give to you. And then thirdly, this is what uh, Peter said in Acts 3. He said, walk. He looked past, as Pastor Joy said, past the felt need. The guy wanted money. Really what he, need, he needed was to walk. He looked past what he was asking for and gave him what he needed. And that's what God does. God looks past what we ask for. Well, God, I need this bill paid. No, really what you need is money management. You need to be a good steward. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you giftings to steward what you have so you can pay your bills. You see what I'm saying? That's the key. So he looked past the, the fact that he needed money to eat, but he really needed feet to walk. So he said, I don't have money, but what I do have I give to you. And he spoke words of life over him. He said, walk. I guarantee you there's never been another person that has ever looked down at that man and told him to walk. He spoke prophetically. He gave him words of life. He said, walk. It's the first time he ever heard somebody tell him to do that. And he looked up at him and he's like, walk. And then, and then this is the thing. And then Peter didn't just say walk and, and then go walk away. We can't do that. We can't tell somebody to do something and then leave them. He said, walk. And then he reached his hand out towards him. And what does the scripture says? It says he pulled him up. What did he do? He touched them. He used his own life and he touched the man. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use our lives to touch others. We believe in prophetic ministry. We believe that, that God who gives life to the dead, that calls things that are not as though they are, that we have out of the mouth comes both life and death, blessing and cursings. Friends, we use what he's given us to speak life over people. That's what preaching is. Preaching is proclaiming the word of God, the word of truth. It's declaring. It's prophesying. 
Okay, so he spoke, he spoke words of life over him. He reached out his hand. He grabbed him. And friends, let me say this. The Lord wants to teach us the difference between being a friend of sinners and being a friend of the world. There's a major difference. The scripture says that we can't be a friend of the world and be a friend of God. If we're a friend of the world, we're enemy of God. That's what the scripture says. But the Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. So you can be a friend of sinners, but not a friend of the world. And the Lord needs to, needs to give us some clarification on that and to teach us what that really means. Okay? Because we do need to be a friend of sinners. It means we've got to love on people. When people come into church, they don't need to be beat up. The world's beat them up enough. They come in here beat up. How would it feel if you, if you ever had some, some pain and you went to the hospital and, the, and, and the, the, the surgeon said, you don't look beat up enough here, I'm going to break your leg too. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, you go into a hospital because you need help. People come into the house of God because they need help. They don't need us to break their leg again. They can go walk off crippled worse than they are. People need life. They need hope. That's what we're talking about, H2O, hope to others. Okay? God has called us to be a voice of Samaria, and, and we use a lot of the parallels of Samaria to urban ministry. Because in the, in the scriptures, there was a lot of, if you, if you actually look, Jesus used, uh, he used parables about Samaria because there was this prejudice about Samaritans and Jews. Then, and then we can even recognize this in the dialogue at, at John chapter uh, 4 when there's the woman at the well and Jesus is talking and, he, and she says it and she gives it very clear. You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, why are you talking to me? There was, there was a, a, a social disconnect. And so, so we kind of correlate urban ministry with being like Samaria, meaning Jews, they avoided the Samaritans. They avoided Samaria. They would even go around Samaria if they had to. But you see Jesus, I love it. He's walking right through Samaria. Not only is he walking through Samaria, revival's happening in Samaria. <laughs> He's just like bypassing prejudice. I love it. My wife, she's, uh, she's even had some uh, different suburban friends of hers admit to saying that they feel more comfortable in a third world country than they do in South Toledo. That's pretty, that's, that's, that's the truth. That there's people that would be willing to, you know, I feel, I feel more comfortable going over there than I do here. That's hard. It's hard reality. There's people that, that think like that. But I love what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria. When, is, when, the, when, the, when the Spirit of the Lord comes on, on us, then we, we, don't, we, can't be, uh, uh, we can't allow fear to dictate where we minister, or what we do, or where we go. And that's the, that's the incredible thing about the Holy Spirit, is He empowers us. Friends, we, we've had some goals that we've had up here all year long. Um, and, uh, some of the, some of the goals was to, uh, send 35 kids to camp this year. I, I, we exceeded that obviously, um, had a radical time. I don't know exactly how many kids we sent to camp. I know it was more than 35. Um, and then the other was, uh, that one of our big goals was to reach 2000 souls through outreach friends. I guarantee you with, with our helps ministry, uh, which we served 1200 meals a month and we had a block party that we averaged, we served about. Uh, we average about, we, we, we expect about a thousand people. And then through all of our other ministries that we've done, that's just, just preaching the gospel, touching souls with the gospel. We believe we achieved that goal. And then, uh, and, and we sponsored kids for Christmas. Uh, there, we had hats and gloves. I mean, there's just tons of things. It was like 200, how many people, uh, were served, uh, uh for Thanksgiving, 
250 people that we serve for Thanksgiving. I mean, just incredible. All this is done because people have the buy-in. They buy into what God is doing here. We are doing that, and then not only are we doing that, as Pastor Joy shared, there are people all across our city that are buying into what God's doing here. We have a powerful, incredible thing that's going on here in South Toledo, right here on South and Broadway. Number three, prayer. i got to finish this up here. Okay? I love what Max Lucado says this. He says, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Have you ever felt like, man, I'm just shooting, I'm shooting up and, I, and God ain't listening? It's awesome that prayer isn't about us, isn't it? It's not about, it's not about the vessel who's given it. It's about the one who's receiving it. Okay, it's the power is in, in him, not in us. When we started this ministry back over, uh, a decade ago, uh, we started with prayer, and it's been something that we've been trying to keep on the forefront of the ministry. And, uh, and so uh, there's, uh, we, if you have ever been a part of the watch on Friday, that's something that's been going on for about a decade. Uh, we've been praying and kind of seeking God. We're going to be moving that to Mondays, um, and, and, and uh, that's going to happen at the beginning of the year. So we're going to be doing that. Also, uh, there's something else that's going on here. Can we? Can I have somebody pass some of these out? I don't know if you guys got some of these. Can we give like one per couple? Because um, I, I got to save some of these for next service too. Let me hold on to one of these. There's a prayer initiative going on uh, uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, there's there's some churches that are rallying together. They're called Merge, and uh, and there's this prayer initiative called Toledo Praise. And so uh, on the seventh of of January, right in the middle of our fast. Um, they've rented out, uh, the hall right there on, um, Detroit and burn, no Detroit, the trail. You guys remember that old shopping center back where, where big, where uh, big lots used to be right over there or Hills was it Hills or big lots. It's one of those places. Can't remember. It was one of those places. So they're, so they're renting out that, they're renting out that hall right there. Uh, it's got all the information on there and, and, and we're going to be seeking, check this out. Toledo's coming together and we're going to seek God's face. We're going to be praying. They're believing for, for 500,000 in the city of Toledo to come to Christ. I mean, it's powerful. And we're a part of the body of Christ, so we're going to join with them in that initiative. Okay? So if, you, if you've got that time off or, or, or if you want to join with us, friends, that's where, that's where we're going to be uh, January 7th at 7 p.m. We're going to be over there. We're going to be seeking God's face and praying for revival for our city. So um, if you could put that in your calendars and join us, that will be awesome. Also, uh, just want to uh, say we are doing a uh, we are doing a fast. I know we initially said uh, we're, we're calling our church to a, a week of fast all over the city of Toledo. They're doing twenty one day fast. So even though we might be calling our church to a, a, a full week of fasting, personally, I'm going to do a twenty one day fast. If you want to join me, that's cool. If you just want to commit to the one week of fast, that's fine too. Um, but I figured, hey, look, the city there's tons of people that are doing twenty one days. I want to join with them in doing that. So, so whatever that means, you know, shut off your TVs, you know, if you got to cut off Facebook, do stuff that's going to cause you to, to devote more time to God. Um, you know, choose something to, to restrain from eating. I mean, that's, that's a big part of fasting. Uh, I'll, t- I'll even tell you what I'm doing. I felt, I felt like I'm going to do just fruits and vegetables during this fast for 21 days. You know, you could do something like that. I've done liquids. I've done water. I've done bread and water. I've done no meats, no sweets. You know, I mean, I, I mean, you can, as, as long as the heart says, I'm sacrificing and giving something up to God, it, it, it doesn't matter in the amount of the sacrifice. Okay, that's why some people could give bulls, some people could give pigeons, some people could give lambs. They were all sacrificed to God. Okay? 
the matter is that, that we're giving to him and that we're, we're restraining ourselves. That's the thing. We're, we're stopping ourselves. And so for many of us, maybe, maybe the thing we need to restrain from is that, that, that internet or that phone. Lord! Man, that, that'll touch some people, huh? Uh, hit some buttons right there. They don't, they don't have a problem laying down a cupcake, but they can't lay down their cell phone. Lord. Two scriptures in the passage of joy. Okay, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That's one of the scriptures that we, that we had when we started the, the watch, was being watchful in prayer. And then Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Okay? Leonard Ravenhill said this at one time, if we're weak in prayer, we are weak everywhere. Pastor Joy. You know, I, I want to just piggyback on prayer for just a second. It was uh, closing the chapter on, on Friday nights for us was a, was a difficult decision to, to get us to. But I've been feeling that it's been time to do that for some time now. Um, just the season of life that Pastor Josh and I are in with our children and, and, and in life. And uh, Friday nights got to a place where it was, you know, very few people there. And uh, we believe on Mondays, the reason we would like to move a prayer night to Monday at 630 is because we believe that more people will, will come and pray. And I will say out of these four pillars that our church does, the helps, the outreach, the prayer, the experience, Prayer has been the one that we've dropped the ball in here uh, in the last year the most. And that's sad to say because it was the very first thing that we started. When we started Vision Ministries, we didn't even do services the first month. We came together and we just prayed. Before we ever started a Vision Kitchen, before we ever did an outreach, we prayed. We had Tuesday night prayers for years. Then we did Friday night prayers different times. I mean, one time Friday night prayer when we first started was like from midnight to 6 a.m. Um, and then did that for years and then went changed changed it to like midnight to 3. And then we changed it from like 9.30 to midnight. And so uh, it's been progressively changing. The, I don't believe it's important when we pray as much that we actually do pray. And so that is why we felt, okay, it's time to move it because uh, we look at the average age of our, of our church and the people who come here. There's a lot of people who have a lot of kids. When we look at our attendance and our kids are almost half of the attendance that we have at the church, it shows you that uh, just where, where people are in their season of life that we think that doing a prayer time on Monday nights would be more conducive for your guys' schedule. And so that's one of the reasons we're doing it because it's not just about Pastor Josh and I praying because we could just pray at home if that's the case. It's about corporate prayer. So I really encourage you guys in the new year to look at your schedules and see if at least once a month you can make a sacrifice to come on a Monday night to pray because there's something about if we pray together we will see God move, and we need revival in our city, friends. If we're going to believe for 500,000 people come to the Lord in this Toledo area, that's the entire city. If we want to see people come to the Lord in that kind of multitude, that means revival. I'm talking like the old school when you read about um, when Pentecostal first hit here in America and on Azusa Street or the Welsh revival. I mean, that's the kind of coming together in unity and prayer that we need, and so I know that twice a month our pastors on Monday nights get together at 8.30. And so uh, those two times, most of us will be here as a pastoral team. But I want to see intercessors rise up too in this place and commit to coming together and praying together uh, and really seeking God to move. And so who knows what's going to come from that. But just wanted to 
extend that invitation to you. And so that will be the very first Monday. I think it's January 3rd, I think, that first Monday in January. And so we will be here at 630. The last pillar that I want to talk about, the fourth, my bad. Good thing y'all have calendars. The last pillar I want to talk about today is experience. And to me, this sums it all in. The reason we have hope, the reason, uh, the reason we want to help people, the reason we do outreaches, the reason we, we, we pray, all these things is that people would experience Christ, that they would experience a personal relationship with him. Um, our theme this year for our banquet was breaking statistics one family at a time or one person at a time. And it wasn't just this year that that was a theme. That's kind of been an ongoing theme that we've had. When we did start nine years ago, and you guys have heard me say this before, but again, I will repeat it to you because I think it's important. When we did first start, we gathered together and we prayed, and uh, I was feeling really sad because just the way our church plant went about, we weren't a traditional church plant. It was more... Um, we didn't, co- you know, go into church plan the way it happened. It kind of just kind of landed on us, to tell you the truth, um, how, it, how it happened. I mean, we were a part of a church, and they were like, okay, we're moving. You guys stay behind and uh, start this. And we are like, whoa, we thought we were going to be going to Cleveland somewhere or some other, you know. It just kind of didn't go about the way we thought we didn't feel ready. <laughs> we, you know what I mean? We weren't even 30 yet. We're like, what the heck are we doing? But God was in it, and we, and we look back now and know this, it was, God's plan and he was in it and so we gathered together and we prayed and the Lord just put on my heart the importance of one the important one of the first sermons I ever preached was to make one the importance of one and that came from the parable of going after the one lost sheep uh, leaving the 99 and I'm going to read that again I know you guys know this but just as a, a to build your faith up Again, Luke 15, 3 through uh, 7, it says, And then Jesus told this parable, Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Friends, he was talking to a culture of people that the majority of their majority of them were, were farmers and shepherds. And so he was talking to people who understood, listen, you have 99 sheep, but if you lose one, you're going after the one. You're leaving the 99, and you're going after the one. And he says this, and he says, and when, you, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there'd be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. If we want to, people to experience the Lord, it needs, we need to focus on one person at a time. It's breaking statistics one person at a time. It's breaking statistics one family at a time. One time uh, I had somebody come to Pastor Josh and I, and they were kind of complaining about, you guys uh, spend all your time with new people, and what about us who've been here forever type thing? And um, I'm glad they were talking to Pastor Josh and not me because I was sitting there up, I was burning, I ain't going to lie. I, was, I said, you know, justice needs a little bit more care than Joshua. He's still just a preschooler. He'll let me know. He ain't no baby anymore. But he's still, you know, he's four versus my 12-year-old. Who needs more care? And friends, as a body of Christ, we need to be caring for those who are new in the Lord. We need to be taking care of the babies in the Lord. We need to be leaving the 99 righteous persons to go after the one that they too could experience the fullness of God. We had these goals this year. One of the goals was 50 new baptisms. We came very close. We were at like 45. But friends, what an amazing thing. 45 new souls to the kingdom. See, we shoot for the moon because even if you miss, you land among the stars, friends. And I want to have goals that are like out there. 
I'm telling you, we fell real short of our two, <laughs> 20000 and cap. That was the one we fell the most short from. But you know what? We still raised more money in our, in our capital campaign from our body um, and are trying to help with our elevator and things than we've ever raised from our body before. We're, we're still shooting for the moon, friends. We're still having big vision and believing, you know what? God is going to do this. I want to dream big. And part of that dreaming big is believing that each person is going to come to know Christ and have a personal relationship with him. One of the things that I feel has really set us up the best that we've ever been is that this year in June, we launched our small groups. It was the first time we've ever really launched small groups. It's called Circle of Eight. Um, I went and did the average. We had 80 people on average getting together in a small group once a month. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's still continuing to go on. Um, please, Circle of Eight's in your bulletin. Sign up for January because this is like the last week to sign up. Please let us know about that. But I believe us building relationship with one another is going to help us go to the next level. In 2016, I want us to launch more small groups that are more specific um, in 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 and interests. I want to see uh, young adults get together in a small group. I want to see, I, I want to see um, what, what we call boomers and beyond, the 55 plus group get together and, and fellowship. You know, there's wisdom there and, and need that fellowship too. I would like to see young moms um, get together. And so this is not going to be something that just happens overnight. I, we don't even plan to launch these until till June, but we want to start seeing leaders are saying, man, I would like to be a part of that. And I want to pour in and, and, and step up and, and be a part of seeing people experience Christ. I want to see, I want to see more people. We got 45 this year, man. How awesome would it be to have a hundred next year? Um, our average, I know is a low, low attendance after sun, after Christmas this, this week, but in November, our average attendance was 280 people. Now, mind you, some of those are dub, doubles, but Last year, before we had two services, our average attendance was 182.1 or something weird like that. <laughs> and so we've grown, friends. And the way we're going to continue to grow is that we reach out in relationship with people, that we seek God's face, that we, uh, that we say, I'm willing to give it all. I'm willing to say, God, here I am. Use me. And that's where we need to be. If you are with us and you're saying, you know what? I want to say, here I am. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I want to do what you've called me to do. I, wanna, I want to see your glory come on earth. I want to see the hope of glory surround this great city. Would you stand out on your feet with me today, friends? Let's pray. He's worthy. Is he not worthy? He's worthy. Wow, I can't believe we finished on time. Okay, like early even. God is good. We need Jesus, friends. <laughs> we need him to move. We need him to move on our heart. Friends, we need the fire of God to be stirred back up in our body. It doesn't matter, man. We can have all the great ideas, and if we're only doing it with, with our great ideas and not with the Spirit of God's leading, it's, it's just dead works, friends. We need God to move. I just really feel that there's some people that just need a fresh touch from the Lord today. If you're, if you're here with me today and you just need a fresh touch from the Lord, can you just raise your hand before him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
I know I need a fresh touch from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you take a step further and just come on up here? If you need a fresh touch from the Lord, just come on up here. We're going to believe God is just going to breathe life on you. If you could just come right on up here. See, this is what it's all about, experiencing God. Experiencing God. He's so worthy, friends. He's so worthy. If you believe that God is calling you to step up in your commitment level this year and you know that God has maybe put a ministry on your heart that you're supposed to birth or something, a place that you're supposed to maybe even start serving in that you haven't, if that's you, can you raise your hand before the Lord? Raise your hand before the Lord if you know that there's some ministry that you're supposed to do. And I'm going to ask you to take a step further and if you could just come up here and stand as well. We want to pray for you. Just come on up here and stand. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. I need uh, some of our prayer team, if they could come on up and pray as well. We're going to lead into some worship, and we're going to pray and seek God's face because he's worthy. He's worthy, and he's good. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your people here, Lord Jesus. And God, I just pray that you would touch them, Lord God. Those who are in their seats and those that are up here, God, I pray you would touch them, that you would minister to them, that you would let them know that they are loved, that they are special, that they are called, that you have a plan and purpose for their life. God, that you are the hope of glory, that you care for them, you care for their very soul. God, I pray that you would stir up a longing in them, that they would want more of you, God, that they would desire to to seek you and seek your face. And God, when we seek you and seek you with all of our heart, we will find you, Lord. God, I pray, I speak a blessing over them, Lord God, as we're entering into a new year, God. I thank you that we would enter in it, Lord God, Lord God, with hope, that we would enter in it, Lord God, with purpose. We would enter in it, Lord God, with vision, because you are worthy, Lord God. God, we give you our lives. We give you everything in Jesus' name. Let's just pray. Our prayer team's going to be released to pray.